And so what we had to do was really look at the organization and what I challenged my board with was to reimagine what faith care could look like and what we can do. So the first thing that we did was um, to cancel our remainder uh, all the remaining international medical um, missions that we had. We had three additional mission trips that were scheduled for 2020 that we canceled. And it gave us the opportunity to, to reach out to our community in a different way. Because we didn't have the international um, trips, we had PPEs that we didn't use. And so we donated those to our local hospitals, um, to the state, and just, you know, again, just try to love and fill that gap. Hello, Dolly. You're listening to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast with your host, Portia Scott. This podcast is a collection of interviews and stories weaving together life's pivotal moments and the decisions made to show up and impact humanity one person at a time. This episode is sponsored by Free Lunch Coffee. So listen to this. If you love coffee as much as I do, I know you'll enjoy this coffee because not only will you get an amazing cup of coffee, but you will help to end hunger in the lives of young children. I want to introduce you to Free Lunch Coffee. They are on a mission to end hunger from the lives of younger children. When you buy just one bag of Free Lunch Coffee, you are also providing 10 meals to a child in need. And Free Lunch Coffee gives away 50% of the money they make to end hunger in the lives of children. How cool is that? Their coffee is specialty grade, certified organic, and free trade. They offer a 100% money back guarantee for 30 days. If you don't absolutely love their coffee, which I know you will, they will give you a full refund and you can keep the coffee too. Free Lunch Coffee is offering a 15% discount to the loyal listeners of the Wake Up and Show Up podcast. Use the coupon code Portia, P-O-R-T-I-A at checkout so you can get your 15% discount. Go check it out at freelunchcoffee.com. Hello, darlings, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I don't know if you can tell, but I am so, so enjoying season six. I've had the opportunity to speak to some incredible people doing incredible things, and it just gives me hope and excitement about humanity in the midst of craziness, in the midst of the negative things that we tend to hear more than the positive. I'm happy to have this little slice of impact um, here on earth to be able to bring the stories and the interviews of these incredible people just doing incredible things. And so often we feel like impact can only be made on a large scale, but I believe that the largest scale that we can impact is one person at a time. Because when we impact one person, whether it is in our families, in our communities, in our organizations, wherever it is that we are, in the grocery store, when we're in front of somebody and we pay it forward, whatever it is, that small impact has a ripple effect. And so in today's episode, I get the opportunity to talk to an incredible executive director of a nonprofit organization, and they are making an impact through health, hope, and healing. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, I'm going to ask you to make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and leave us a five-star rating and a review because the way that more people know about the podcast and can receive their small slice of impact and inspiration is if you share it. So we'd love for you to share the podcast on your social media, share the podcast with your friends and your family. It is not lost on me that so many of you show up every Thursday, every week to hear the stories, the interviews that we do with people that are showing up in their lives, that are making a difference, that are doing good in the world. So I want to say thank you because each one of you are doing your part to make an impact, even if that person is the person behind this particular mic. I want to say thank you, and I appreciate everyone that is part of the Wake Up and Show Up community. Now let's get into today's show. 
Vinton, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I definitely um, appreciate your time because um, I know you're super busy. So thank you for that. But every guest that we have on the show, uh, we always ask what they're grateful for. So I want to know, what are you grateful for? First of all, I am grateful to wake up, that the Lord woke me up this morning and gave me the opportunity to be here with you. Secondly, I'm grateful for you for this opportunity just to share my story and the story of faith care. And third, but not, not least, um, I'm grateful for my family, my wife and my children. As you know, um, in the environment that we're living in today, there are so many people who are isolated, who are not with their family, not with their loved one, and particularly those who are on their deathbed that are don't, don't have that opportunity to, to hear their loved one um, voice or to see them one last time. So I am extremely grateful for my wife and my family and my entire support unit um, that I see or talk to on a daily basis. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm grateful for today. I love that. Um, and I know you mentioned before that you and your wife have been married for 20 years. I think that is so incredible with three boys uh, doing amazing things. So congratulations. And I want to be like you all when I grow up. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I was reading, doing some research on the website and, and there was this statistic that really, you know, shook me. And I think any parent, anybody it would kind of take their breath away a little bit. And it says at least half of the world's population cannot obtain essential health services. Every day, 16,000 children die before their fifth birthday. Pneumonia, malaria, and diarrhea are the leading causes. And when I read those, I know here in the States that oftentimes those are things that we can handle you know, in the States, especially diarrhea, it's, I, I give my kids over the counter medicine for something like that. So something so small can take the life of a child somewhere else because of inadequate health care or their, the lack thereof. So tell me a little bit about faith cares and why this statistic is so important to that mission. Sure. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, faith care has been around for 26 years now. And our mission is to bring health, hope, and healing to and through the healthcare community, providing God's transforming love locally and internationally. And when you think about, you know, that statistic that you just read, um, something simple as hygiene, you know, washing your hand or disposing of um, feces or, you know, um, different issues that we, we see our kids have a bathroom, running water and things like that. And in these third world country, they do not have that. And, um, you know, we serve the, the, the least of these, the poor of the poorest. Um, and so we go into communities where these individuals do not see a physician. They do not have a primary care physician. They do not have a CVS down the street. They do not have uh, a community health center. Um, so when we go, we are the only people that they are seeing, doctors and physicians, um, that they are seeing on a regular basis. We did a study a few years back, um, and we surveyed um, individuals um, 55 and older, and 85% of those individuals, 55 and older, said that they have never seen a physician. These are individuals, not children, you know, didn't go for prenatal care and things like that, but been around for 55 years. And never saw a doctor. And so these are kind of in, is that was where, was that statistic taken in um, other countries, like in, in, devel Nigeria. in developing, okay, in Nigeria. Yeah, we in Nigeria, and we did a survey of those who were coming to, to, to get care for us. And um, again, 85% of those who were surveyed, 55 and older, never saw a physician. And just, the, um, you know, you talk about malaria and diarrhea. Just a few years ago, I was again in Nigeria. And there was a, 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 a father and a mom that came through our line and frantic, had their child in their arms. She was lethargic, you know, wasn't really responsive. Um, we thought she was dehydrated. But after, you know, doing some work up on her, uh, we found out that she had malaria. And, you know, the dad was just hysterical. Um, after, you know, consultation and talking to him, we found out that he lost his daughter, a daughter, um, you know, just a few years prior. And Olivia, the daughter that he brought with him that day, she was about 
six or seven. So she she's right in that area that you were talking about. And um, so we treated her. And within a day or two, she just like came back to life. But this is a family that lost a child. Six years old, five, she may have been five. The, the sister that who passed may have been around four or five years old. And so she was part of that statistic that you just, just read. But because the Lord had brought us to Nigeria on that particular day, just for that family, we were able to save their other child's life. And so that's why we go and do what we do, because we just answer the call of God. We never know what's going to happen, but we pray and we expect God to move mightily in the lives of people that we come into contact with. Yeah. I mean, that's so horrific just thinking about those parents, right? Because I'm sure they've seen these same symptoms, right? And to see that again, but then to think about it was a medication that you all had readily available, that these other countries just don't have. They they just don't have it. So the fact that you guys are going out and doing these missions, um, I think it's just the incredible work. And then to be able to see her bouncing around, being just a kid, you know, just because of medicine. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. Um, I remember uh, the very first time that I went to, uh, was being deployed to Kuwait at the time. And I remember uh, getting malaria pills, even though we were not going into Africa. Some of us were going to Djibouti. Um, and so they just kind of gave the whole unit because they were getting split up and not knowing. Um, and so we did get pills. And it's it's I think it's it's very hard for us to wrap our minds around, you know, what that looks like. And so, Vincent, tell me a little bit about what you do. I know you're the executive director, but you've done some incredible things as the executive director. For one, talk a little bit about the hospital project um, that you were on. Sure. Um, so as the executive director, I oversee the day-to-day operations of the organization, um, you know, um, administratively, marketing, fundraising, um, doing putting the trips together helping the team leaders to put the trip together um to nigeria um, jamaica dominican republic haiti and also we have um programs that we do domestically as well community outreach program but the particular um, problem that you um, project that you mentioned um last year we broke ground to build a hospital um in nigeria and there are three phases to it first we had to acquire the property get um, all the legal um, documentation and then we broke ground which was part of the phase two as far as the, doing the constructions mm-hmm. and then um, we will complete it for the first phase will be like a clinic and then we'll build onto the clinic to turn it into a hospital that's operational for 24 uh, hours seven days of the week and so this project why i'm so excited about this project i mentioned you know the underserved population um, within Nigeria and other third world countries. And again, we've been around for 26 years. Over those 26 years, we have treated more than 250,000 patients. Wow. Um, and But most of those patients, like I stated before, do not have a medical home. They don't have a primary care physician. And so this hospital, this clinic will serve as that vehicle for them in their community that they can go after we leave, after mm-hmm. the, the team leaves, that they can go back and get follow-up care. We do have a chapter in Nigeria that also do community outreach, and we work with our local partners to provide um, care right now. So we, in, in, in lieu of not having a clinic or a hospital, we are relying upon um, our local healthcare providers and um, hospitals that we collaborate with to do those type of um, care for us. And so once we have our clinic and um, hospital up and running, um, these individuals that we just served in, you know, from a community outreach or a medical mission trip could come back to that same facility to get follow-up care. That is in That's incredible. I was going to ask you about that too, as far as building a hospital, you know, halfway around the world. And so I'm assuming that you kind of worked with these same partners to get like the land and to get all of the requirements and documentation, everything that you needed to even acquire the land and then to start building. Yeah. You can imagine like, uh, you know, mission trips. We have partners um, in Nigeria because it's it's in 
it's incumbent upon us that we have that infrastructure in place. Can you, you can imagine for years we were doing these medical mission trips and, you know, we just go back home, um, had a great time. We impacted lives. However, we didn't have that continuity of care. And so uh, for us, it, part of that mission trip um, require that we have a local partner there that's inviting us. We have to get an invitation say, this is something that we want to do for our community. And so there's buy-in, there's a collaboration, there's a partnership. And so um, they will request for us to come. Um, those same partners will may depend on the various levels, you know, provide some type of um, financial support or may assist us with logistical support as far as housing or food, transportation, security. And then, um, again, those same partners will go back to to assist us with identifying um, the land, like you said, get all the legal documentation. And then um, we have, again, I talked about the chapter there. So we have phenomenal chapter leaders within the faith care community um, that leads these projects. And so they're the ones that uh, work with their local community, politicians, the hospitals, the pastor, the faith-based community is just as, as crucial as the medical community because, again, um, you know, we talked about the 250 patients that we saw, but we've also discipled 170, over 170,000 individuals who have made decisions um, to come to Christ and to grow um, spiritually. And so we need our church partners there to follow up with these individuals, to nurture them and to build them up in, in the gospel and in Christ. And so the partnership is crucial for us. Yeah, I can definitely see that. That's so good that the faith-based based community is as powerful as kind of the healthcare and they're kind of working in tandem, you know, yeah. while you guys are taking care of the bodies that they are kind of taking care of the souls. And I think it's so important, like you said, to have that continuity of care because you almost come and you do this amazing work, but it's almost like a Band-Aid. Um, you know, on this just systemic issues that they have just with, you know, like you said, being able to have that access to, to a doctor. Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, when we bring babies home, you go see a doctor two days after that, you know, as an infant. So when you look at that statistic of people that you took that data from that had never gone to see a doctor. So I, I think that's just so, so important. But Vincent, I do want to ask a question though, because they haven't seen doctors, um, when you all come, are, are the, are the people's, you know, are they receptive to that? Are they concerned um, when you guys come in or are they really receptive to coming and getting the care that they need? Most people are because again, the, the team that we have in Nigeria and other countries, they do a great job in spreading the word. And so they are a trusted resource in the community. So it's not as if Benton Corps and Faith Care from um, the U.S. is just coming in for the first time and setting up shop, but they have um, friends and family members who reached out to them and say, come to this event that we are sponsoring and promoting. You know, they have their um, pastors um, that's telling them that we are collaborating with this organization to do this phenomenal um, event. And so there are trusted resources that's already there in the community. Well, you know, like anything else, you do have your step individuals who do not um, believe at first, you know, the Bible we had the um, doubters, you know, in the Bible as well. And so um, it takes it takes a, a little while. So, you know, typically we are there for about a week, week and a half. So maybe the first day or two, they are, you know, on the fringes looking on <laughs> to see what's going on. Um, some people, you know, there is, um, I remember again in Nigeria, in the southern, in the northern part of Nigeria, near Kaduna, we we're doing a project and you had some local um, villages and you had Muslims in this, in this community. It was a pretty 50 50 split as far as Christian and Muslim in this community in the north. And um, the tribal leaders watched for a day or two to see what was going on. Um, and then I think day three, they finally came over. And they start asking questions, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? And one of the um, doctors said, because we are Christians, you know, because we love you and we love Christ. And so we want to do this for you. But they said, you're not like others um, because you're not one. You're not charging us any money to provide medical care. You're treating us with respect and honor. And two, you know, you're not talking bad about us or you're not trying to kill us because unbelievable, you know, believe it or not, 
um, in that region, um, there are Christians and Muslims who are fighting. So he was saying that, you know, one day, um, Sunday, you're worshiping God, but on Monday and Tuesday, you're carrying a rifle and you're trying to kill my people. You know, so that's what he was used to. So we had to be the gospel, the living gospel for him, that to let him know that, um, no, we're not that type of believer. We believe in showing love and compassion and that, you know, we love you no matter what, you know, whatever your religion may be. Um, we are just here to love on you and to provide um, service and care to you and, you know, in a loving and a respectful manner. And so, you know, after that, he, he invited his entire village to come over because we, you know, you, you walk the talk mm. and, you know, and so he saw what we're all about. And so after that, he went back and told his village what he saw and people just start coming. But again, we have to demonstrate God's love. Yeah. It was the love, right? Loving mm -hmm. kindness. Have I drawn them? So, um, that's what you guys were doing. Vincent, I want to know, because I know faith cares, they're doing amazing work, but there's a lot of organizations that are doing amazing work. But for you, why was it important for you to come, um, on board to faith cares and, and be executive director and do the work with this particular organization? It was just a God thing. I actually wasn't looking for another job. I was content. Um, I was working at my um, church, my home church, the First Cathedral. I was involved in ministry. I actually had just completed uh, my classes and did my trial sermon as a minister. And I recalled, you know, a message that I had received about this position, position as executive director. And then my former role as community um, director for the church. Um, I was basically that, that um, gatekeeper to the community, the liaison as far as getting different information. So my first in instinct was really just to find out more about this organization to us mm -hmm. so I could refer it to others. And in that process, the person was like, yo, you sound interesting. Why don't you come in and interview? And so I was like, okay, let me go in and we'll talk. You know, again, I, I, I told him, I told him, in the, in the interview, I said, look, I'm not looking for another job right now. I'm really here to find out more about it. But I always respond um, I try to respond to, to God and I just want to be a being. If this is for me, it's for me. But if not, I am. So don't feel bad if you don't hire me or anything like that. I really told him that in the interview. Um, and so I just, just put it out there because I, 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 I love my job. I love my <laughs> church. It gave me the flexibility. It was only like seven, eight minutes away from my home. It gave me the flexibility to, um, you know, be there with our kids in their er earlier years. And so I really wasn't looking, but there were health issues that I, I was experiencing at the time. And my mother-in-love had recently passed and my, my father-in-love passed maybe a year later. And I, I choose my words wisely as far as um, saying mother-in-love, because I've come to the place where I understood, uh, I understand that um, it wasn't the law, you know, we, we use the word mother-in-law, father-in-law, but it wasn't the law that drove, um, drove me and brought my wife and I together. It was That's our love God. for each other and also God's love. And it really helped me again because of um, prior to joining and taking this position, my mother-in-law um, passed from Alzheimer's and my wife was traveling back and forth to New York. And, you know, as a husband and concerned about her well-being, there was an evening that she, you know, after going to work and all day and taking care of the kids, she drove to New York to, to take care of her uh, mom and her dad. Even her grandma at that time was having some health issue issues. And, um, and I was concerned. And she was like, you know, if that was your mom, what would you do? And that just hit me really hard. And I was like, you know, you're right, because she is my mom. Because when we got married, we we became one. Mm -hmm. And after that, I just started calling, you know, all of our uh, families um, in love or, mm -hmm. you know, wasn't her family, my family. It was just our, our family. family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so because of what I, I saw her go through, you know, with her parents and then um, health issues that I've gone through, you know, I'm a cancer, so um, not a cancer survivor, I'm a cancer thriver, um, because I believe that uh, God put us here on earth to thrive. He tells us to live the abundant life, not just the mediocre life, just not getting by. And so, you know, you know, coming out, you know, surviving. Wow, Vincent, that is, that's huge. 
That's yeah. huge. Wow. Yeah. So the thing that got me though was their tagline for Faith Care was integrating your faith into the delivery of healthcare service. So it gave me an opportunity as a young minister and someone that's been in the healthcare. You talked about your former military experience. I also was in the military as a 91 Delta, which is a is an operating room technician. And so it gave me an opportunity for everything that God had brought me through and prepared me with, equipped me with. It gave me an opportunity to blend all those things together, you know, as a minister, as someone dealing with their own health issues and having family members that have gone through and just our community, you know, with the health, the health disparities that we see was having given me that opportunity and that platform to integrate all those things to provide quality health care, but also spiritual care uh, for our people. Yeah. You know, and, and then you also, cause you just slid right by the fact that you used to work for Aetna too, right? So now you mm -hmm. have this, you really, really, really have, uh, this integrated approach. So you have this interview, you tell mm -hmm. them, Hey, I'm good. Um, but when they do call and offer you the job, um, did you immediately take it? No, I, I had to think about that and pray about it. Um, I knew it was a great opportunity, but again, you know, with my church and everything I was doing there, um, I just prayed about it. And I just knew once they made the offer and we went back and forth for a little while, a couple of days, because um, the, the day that I had the interview, they called me like two days later to make the offer, you know? And so I knew God was working my lead, but again, just really wanted to pray and, and make the right decision. So um, took a little while and then we um, structured it as far as my transition and everything like that. But I just knew it was uh, it was God's way of letting me know that it was time um, to to move and to go into a different space where he can use me. Mm -hmm. I love that. So some of the things that you do domestically, Vinton, because you talked a lot, you know, we kind of talked about uh, internationally, but even here in the U.S., especially, I think it was, we, I think we know it in the black communities, black and brown communities, we know about the health disparities. So that wasn't anything that was new, but it felt like COVID really put it on front street where now we had to sit in it and we had to everyone had to see what was going on and black and brown communities were hit um, so hard uh, with COVID. And so with faith care, what are some of the things domestically, you know, the missions domestically that you're in charge of and that you all do? Sure. Um, we, our, our corporate office is located in Hartford, Connecticut. And so in the Connecticut here area, we partner with um, local churches, civic organizations, fraternities, sororities, anyone that's really about um, improving the quality of um, care for the communities that they serve. And we basically just come alongside them to um, encourage them, to support them, to show them and bring the skill sets that we have um, to, to bear you know, in that particular community. So it looks like a, a health fair. It could be a, a, a church, um, gathering, you know, a, 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 a summer gathering, a back to school event. It could be a food um, program. It could be, you know, a church that has a distribution uh, cl um, clothing closet. So they already have an event, an existing event that's very successful. And then we come alongside and partner with them to provide the health component of that. So someone's coming to get food, you know, while they're there, we'll set up a little table, um, have a room and we can do the screening that we do. So it's mainly preventive health care that we do in the U.S. So it's the blood pressure. We check on the blood pressure, the sugar glucose, the cholesterol, um, you know, having some educational program about asthma, diabetes, cancer. Um, and so we just, you know, we couple um, the healthcare again with encouraging them um, spiritually. We always offer prayer, not prayer, not everyone accept that, but we always offer that to them based on the situation that we find um, these patients in. And then, in addition to that, um, after the the event, the health fair, whatever, um, we also offer. Um, counseling or coaching. And so someone that may have an abnormal um, blood pressure or cholesterol level, sugar glucose level, or already having a pre-existing um, health condition, we said, you know, again, going back to that trust factor, you someone invited you to this event. And again, they may not have a great relationship with a primary care physician, or they may not even have a, a doctor. 
So we said, just trust us. What you know, let us walk with you a little longer until you get back on that path, the healthy path. And so we can walk with them for three months or six months, you know, doing coaching, health coaching, as far as you know, weight management, nutrition, um, finding a, a primary care physician for them, whatever it is. But we tell them once you sign up uh, this document, you know, we're gonna be on you because you told us that you wanna want us to walk with you and to be your biggest cheerleader. But we're also gonna be there pushing you, you know, making sure that you do what you say you wanna do. And then we also have a presence in um, Pennsylvania. We actually have a clinic in Pennsylvania that we run a, a monthly um, clinic to provide, um, in addition to the preventive screening, we also do um, prenatal care and ultrasound um, testing from uh, moms. And, you know, so it's really a, a big uh, initiative here in, in the States, um, just working with churches, the community partners, again, with fraternities and sororities. Um, um, whoever reach out to us to ask us for help. Yeah. And so when they come and they sign up for the coaching uh, that you guys are doing, is that free of charge to them or how does that work? Everything we do is free of charge. Everything is free of charge. So Vincent, if everything you do is free of charge, um, you know what I'm getting ready yeah. to ask, right? So how how do you make money, right? How do you make the money to even be able to offer these services, to do missions trips domestically and internationally, to pay the people that are on staff? Um, what does that look like? I talk to a lot of um, nonprofits and I talk to a lot of for-profit organizations that give like 50% of their revenue or percentage of their revenue um, to different organizations. And especially with the nonprofits, you know, it's a lot about donors and, and getting all of that support. Is that kind of the same uh, business model as Faith Cares or is it a little bit different? Yeah, it's, that's the, the model that we use is our partners. Again, going back, um, you know, talking about the churches. So we have church partners. A church may um, host an event and some churches may be a sponsor for a domestic initiative or they may be a sponsor or partner for international mission trips. So they can underwrite some of the costs for the medical um, supplies to go on that mission trip. Some churches have underwrite some of the costs for their um, members to go on the trip. Because um, there's a trip fee that everyone pays, and so there's a, a administrative cost to cover um, expenses, you know, for medicine, for lodging, for food. Because um, in the scenario that I shared with you earlier, we also said, you know, depending on the um, capacity of the international partner, um, some may do different things. And so, you know, to cover the cost, make sure that everything is covered. We'll also have uh, from time to time a U.S. partner that help underwrite the cost. And then again, we have donors. We have corporate partners that will sometimes underwrite the cost, particularly for the domestic trip. So, you know, they're um, based on the cost per um, community outreach event. A corporate partner may um may sponsor the, the cost for the supplies for that, that particular community outreach events. So we, we try to, you know, we do fundraisers. We have an annual banquet to, you know, to raise funds. Um, and so we just try to have a variety of revenue streams and events and activities to bring in the revenue. You mentioned something, I, I kind of chuckled. Um, even though that we are an international um, organization and we go all over the world, we basically operate a very flat organization. I was only full-time um, staff. We have um, part-time um, employees from time to time and interns that we utilize and volunteers um, just to make it a very cost-effective to run the operations of the organization and to do as much as we can to meet the needs of the people that we serve. I love that, um, that you have those volunteers that are coming in and interns. And um, I, I just think it's important that we see that. Uh, we have some physicians in our uh, our church, and they went on a mission two years ago. I think it was 2019, uh, right before everything happened. They went on a mission trip. I want to say they went to Uganda. Um, and I remember packing medicine um, for that particular missions trip. And, you know, at that time I was hoping in 2020, I could go on a missions trip, but you know, you know how that's, how that's working out. But speaking of that, and speaking of donors, one of the things that again, that we've seen is people I've talked to, um, 
that are operating off of donors and and just the various things is that COVID has definitely, definitely, you know, hit their, their bottom lines with donors and maybe they didn't stop giving, but they didn't give as much. Mm-hmm. Um, what did, what did that look like for faith cares? Like how did that, did it even affect faith cares? And, um, and then, you know, with that, how, how are you operating to make sure that you weren't over leveraged and, you know, that you could still do, uh, what you could do for the communities domestically and internationally? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a very important question, um, that we had to answer ourselves. Um, like your church, we did a mission trip actually in 2020. It was in February into Nigeria. And so we just, you know, got back and then shut everything down. Um, And actually right after February, we did the international trip. And then March, we did a domestic um, project with the AKA. They had their um, regional conference in um, Hartford. And so we partnered with them on that project and then everything just shut down. So what we had to do was really look at the organization and what I challenged my board with was to reimagine what faith care could look like and what we can do. So the first thing that we did was um, to cancel our remainder, uh, all the remaining international medical um, missions that we had. We had three additional mission trips that were scheduled for 2020 that we canceled. And it gave us the opportunity to to, to, to reach out to our community in a different way. Because we didn't have the international um, trips, we had PPEs that um, we didn't use. And so we donated those to our local hospitals, um, to the state, um, and just, you know, again, just try to love and fill that gap um, that was so needed early in that process. Then we also canceled our domestic um outreach program because, again, most of our partners were churches. And at that time, you know, stay at home orders and um, churches open up at different stages. And just for the safety of our volunteers and the congregations that we were going into, we canceled um, our programs. But one of the things that we we try to do was to let them know that we're still here for them. And so if nothing else, what I try to um, uh, instill in our volunteers and our staff is that I'm your brother in Christ. And if I can't do anything else, what I could do is pray for you. And so we um, we already had a, uh, a, a prayer um, page on our website, but we really made it more um, prevalent and more visible um, and let people know, particularly those on the front lines that's in our network, our nurses. We had over 100 and something um, health professions that's part of our network that was on the front line, essential workers. And so just let them know that we're praying for them. And if they had issues, if they had prayer requests, just to submit those to us. And I was the one receiving those and I will pray for them. Um, so that was just a powerful message to our community. And then even going forward, um, what we had to do was just to look again and how we were going to uh, meet the needs of our community coming out of COVID. We talked about the hospital in Nigeria. And that was a powerful message because again, like you said, COVID really just, you know, tore the lid off, um, let everyone know the health disparities. But that was a symbol. The hospital serves as a symbol for that community to let them know if that, when that hospital is built, if something like this happens again, that we're there for them, that we can take some of the pressure off, take the burden off of the healthcare um, providers in that community by opening up our facility to serve that community if something like this happened. Um, and then, you know, you look at um, going forward and what we can do. You know, many people, myself included, uh, you know, working from home. So are there ways that we can reallocate funds um, that are not being utilized because we had, you know, shut down the office and, um, you know, copy machines and different things that you might have used in a day to day operation now or either decreased or being eliminated. So how can we reallocate those funds back to missions and to community outreach? Um, so again, you know, this was something that we had to challenge our board with just to be creative and even calling upon, you know, some donors. We had a, a generous donor who gave a, uh, a gift 
and we leveraged it to do a challenge grant or uh, challenge gift at the end of the year. Instead of our regular, you know, annual appeal, we build that into our appeal and challenge our community to give. And so it was like a $60,000 challenge that we did. So, you know, by having those resources, um, we're able to double and you know we exceeded the 120. We end up with 130 thousand that we were able to um, raise through either pledge or actual cash that came in. And so just thinking of creative ways. Um, and just, I look at things, you know, that there is something positive, always something, a lesson learned. Um, you know, even in the midst of COVID, that God just wants us to be creative. One of my favorite scriptures, um, Ephesians three and twenty. Now unto Him is able to do exceedingly abundant more than we could think, ask, or imagine. So, um, COVID, in a way, challenged us. It pushed us to be more creative and to use that side of our God man. You know, because we're created in God's image, and He's a He's a phenomenal God. He's a creator, and so we had to be creative in how we approach our business, and so. I just look at COVID, you know, yes, it's um, a terrible thing that a pandemic that we had to go through, but also, you know, um, we have to stop and to thank God uh, for um, what he has done, that he has sustained us. He has protected us. He has given us uh, resources. He has provided opportunities to collaborate. Um, I was able to, um, instead of doing local chapter we had you know again we had chapters in connecticut pennsylvania Florida, all you know other places and in the past we were just like i i won't say isolated but we were really focused on just that community what COVID did was really again challenge us to look broader bigger and broader and so we now have a global um chapter and so instead of just having your local chapters, we get together on a monthly basis as a global community to hear the concerns that are going on all over the world. So we can encourage each other. Oh yeah, I've been through that. Oh yeah, we had a situation like that. How did you get out of it? And so we are praying with each other more. We are listening to each other and we are sharing resources and just supporting each other because of, um, again, this opportunity that God presented us with. I love your creativity. I love that, you know, we have a God that is the creator. He is the original creator. And so, but it comes out of you and everything that you do, trying to figure out how do we take this? How do we do that? Um, I'm going to ask a question and uh, I, I want to know outside of Faith Cares, what's next for Vinton? I just feel like your heart is so big. God has so much he still is doing in you and through you and going to use you to do. And honestly, just listening to you talk about faith cares and talk about your love for people. Um, and it's no doubt your love for Jesus, but just how you love people. And so I, I want to know what's, what's next for Vinton. You must've been praying really hard about this <laughs> interviewing the questions you're going to ask. It's fun. It's interesting because I'm actually um, transitioning from faith care um, within the next month or two. Um, and this is something that I've you know, shared with the board over the last three years that we've been working on. And so um, I really don't know. This is a, a walk of faith for me. About five years ago, um, coming to faith care and just by going on the mission trips and meeting so many wonderful people, the guy gave me the opportunity just to pour out uh, into people's lives. And so it, he created and gave me an opportunity to um, develop my own personal mission statement. You heard, you know, businesses have their mission statement and different organization, but God gave me my personal mission statement and that is to die empty. Mm-hmm. And that just means each and every day find opportunities like this, where we're just sitting down and sharing, talking to each other. And you may say, you know, give me a word of encouragement. You may say something that triggers something in my mind and um, I can build off of that. And so I look for opportunities just to pour into people each and every day. And it was interesting when he first gave me the message. I was so excited. I'm doing all these things. I serve on many boards of that, you know, board of directors and, you know, engaged in my church and ministry. And so, you know, I was really stretching myself and really want to pour and empty myself into so many um, individuals and organizations. So God had to come back and correct me. And he said, Venton, I told you to die empty, but I didn't tell you to die prematurely. So I really had to balance what I was doing and make sure that I was doing it 
based on what God was telling me to do, not just because I felt a passion for this person or this organization was doing great work. And, you know, we all do great things, but is it what God has called you to do? Do you have, I read a book by Bill Hybels many years ago about, you know, volunteerism and getting involved and called holy discontent. There are things that we are on fire for that just burning within us that if we don't do it, our fire go out. And so, um, you know, those are things that drive me. And, you know, to be honest, I really don't know what's the next step. I just know that God wants me to continue to pour into the lives of individual. I know I want to do things dealing with health, um, health disparities or social injustices. And um, I'm just, you know, taking it one step at a time uh, with the Lord, because uh, I just, I just really don't. It, ha- it hasn't come to full fruition as far as a manifestation, as far as what it is that he wants me to do right now. But I know it's, it's dealing with people and still, you know, pouring into um, people's lives. Yeah. I can't wait to see what it is. In, in my mind, I'm thinking I have a couple of people that I know that run nonprofits, and I think that they would be in a benefit from uh, talking to you and just your creative ideas um, that maybe you can help them out because they're having um, some hard times uh, to be quite frank um, with, you know, being able to support and they support um, about a hundred women in in villages and um, uh, in Africa. And so just thinking of ways to continue to be able to support that community. That's just what I thought about, but, um, I'll talk to you offline about it, but I know it's going to be incredible what God has for you, but I want you to paint this picture, Vincent, as we start to wrap up and, you know, you've been able to do amazing things with Etna and, and the army and through the first cathedral, um, and faith cares and whatever is next in your life. And you've been able to touch and impact millions of people and bring millions of people um, to know the love of Jesus. And so I, I have to ask, what is the one thing that you're most proud of? Hmm. Um, I told you, you, you've been praying really hard. You have some great questions. Um, I think... I would have to go back to how we started and Ooh. part of the things that I'm grateful for. And it's the, you know, uh, my wife, the pictures behind me. Um, because as I sit here and reflect on everything that I've accomplished in my profession, um, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my wife and then later without without our, our children, knowing that I had their support. Um it's just been amazing um, to see now that you know I'm able to pour into them. I've poured into so many people. It was a couple of years ago again. The Lord, you know, again when I was going through this this phase, you know, it hit me that I'm traveling the world. I'm loving on people and I'm pouring into others. You know, so God told me that you know you also you can't do that without doing it at home. You know, on home front first. And so um, you know, just really having the opportunity to pour into my my boys and to my wife and just knowing that our legacy, our family legacy, even, you know, thinking of my mom and my siblings, um, you know, having an opportunity to, you know, pour into them. We have a family meetings on Mondays. We do a conference call and check in with each other and pray about the various ministries that we're associated with. So I'm just, you know, I'm so grateful um, that the Lord has given me the opportunity to have such a wonderful uh, wife and children and families and friends. And so that legacy, you know, everything that I've done, I'm just trying to really instill in them to pick up that mantle and to carry it on. And just knowing that, you know, they're um, in the body of Christ, that they are believers. They they know that they can call on the Lord for themselves Um that they can, you know, know dad and mom are here, but if they can't get to us, you know, my son in, in, down in Georgia and the one in Penn, Philadelphia, that they have that personal relationship with God. So that, I think that's what I'm, I'm most proud of is just that I was able to instill in my families and my friends, um, my family and friends and those in my circle 
to know my heart, that they know that they can depend on me. They know that I love God, I love them, that I do anything for them. And that, you know, the sacrifices that I made to travel, um, you know, there were times when I, I went on a mission trip that, um, you know, it was a little scary. I, I was in Nigeria during Ebola, the Ebola outbreak. And so knowing that, you know, I was going into that situation, really had to increase my prayer life and just to trust God and to rely on him. But also knowing that uh, my wife was here praying and hold on, holding down the, the home front uh, with the boys and um, just, you know, letting them know that no matter what, daddy loves you. I'm always going to be there for them. Um, and so it's that legacy of trust and obey. You know, I think that's where my, you know, I was just talking to one of my best friends, Pastor Terrence Thompson down in um, Maryland. And he sent me a word of encouragement over the weekend. I said, thanks for the confirmation. Cause he was just talking about, you know, to trust and to trust and obey. And, and that's where I am right now. You know, again, this transition that I'm in, not knowing exactly where um, the Lord is taking me, but I just got to trust him because he's been a great dad to me. And I know, you know, the work that he started with me, he's going to complete it to, you know, to the end, he's going to be there. And um, I just have to trust him. And so the thing that I'm most proud of is uh, my faith in God and that um, I'm building up that in my family as well. And people, you know, wherever I go domestically or internationally, they can see that faith and they can uh, relate to it. And they know that um, I'm not doing it for show or fashion. I'm doing it because um, I love them. I love God. And I just want them. I want the best, you know, for them. I want them to live that abundant life that God promised all of us. Yes, I love that. I love that. Vinton, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm glad we were able to finally make it work. Um, I appreciate all the work that you're doing. Um, not just with faith care, but just with your life. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. I'll leave you with this. What counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived. It is what difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we led. Nelson Mandela. As always, we end every show with this declaration. Waking up is automatic. Showing up is intentional. Today, I will show up. Thanks again for spending time with me today and listening to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you never miss a show. Leave a five-star review and share with a friend or foe. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I am Portia Scott. Until next time, go impact the world.